The following transmission contains unencrypted instances of explicit language. Mature audiences are cleared to proceed. Welcome back. This is part two of our tradecraft analysis of Argo. If you missed out on part one, there's a simple solution. You might want to hit the subscribe button on your favorite podcast app so that you can always stay caught up with us. Brief recap, we've got six diplomats stuck in a very energized and hostile Iran. CIA exfiltration specialist George Mendez, played by Ben Affleck, wants to try to pass them off as Canadian filmmakers, but to do this, he's going to have to make a fake movie seem credible. At this point, he's got a producer and a script and a lot of work ahead of him, and that's where we'll catch up with him in this episode of Spies Like Us. Yeah, it was, uh, they were digging through scripts, and I think in the film, Mendez is the one that finds the script, and it's basically a science fiction taking place in the Middle East, or has a Middle East feel to it, mm-hmm. and and they're like, this is this is a dumb script, he's like, it doesn't matter, Middle East, sci-fi, let's go. Right, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's uh, Roger, Roger Zelazny, uh, you know, I used to consume a huge amount of science fiction, uh Uh, novels when i was a kid like like just dump trucks full and mm -hmm. i actually never read any zelazny myself but i was always aware you know that his name was floating out there um the script is from his novel lords of light which was a movie that you know they're even luckier like they not only have a script but this this script had gone into pre-production before it got canceled so there there were materials existent you know, like some of the mm-hmm. groundwork had been laid, including mm-hmm. ba, ba, bam, legendary comic artist Jack Kirby had even done storyboards for the film, which, you know, we see even later, like when when Affleck is, uh, you know, kind of showing it to the to the guy in Iran, the Office of Cultural Exchange or whatever, you know, that he's, right. he's got these storyboards, which are they just lend so much credibility you know, I mean, not just that they have a script, but that they have, you know, pre-production work on it and that, um, you know. Just yeah, so and I was embarrassed to not know who Jack Kirby was. You I know you be. gave me a lot of nerd shame for that. Minus nerd points. Right. <laughs> um, those, uh, just the fact that they employed the use of Jack Kirby's storyboards like I have to give this my number one best tradecraft because it just it just it just meshes so much to my nerd soul and my right. my uh, loving uh, figuring out CIA movies that uh, yeah it's 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 got to go. I had thought that maybe those originals would be parked next to the Ark of the Covenant. In the- <laughs> like, I wondered at first like how much would those be worth, right? Like, That seems like a piece of comic art, like collector. I mean, that that almost seems like the pinnacle. I can't think of anything more valuable except like maybe the like the original first fucking drawing of Batman. (laughs) Yeah, like the old detective comic, like pre sketch or something. Right, but no, I checked it out. Somebody somebody owns them. They did get sold. And the guy that bought them and currently owns them, he didn't even know that they had been involved in the uh, in the Argo operation. Uh, oh my god! Them. So they're probably worth significantly more than he paid for them. Right. <laughs>
they upped the ante further along the way to when uh, I forget what it is that triggers them to be kind of concerned that they're not doing enough to sell the story, but they also decide that they need to actually like have like this movie being described and discussed in the press. Uh, there's like a comment about like, you know, John Goodman's character working on something with Rock Hudson. And he was just like, you know, if you need to sell something, have the press sell it for you. Um, and this is actually going to lead into my best trade craft. Number two, uh, just the whole selling of the film, but uh, it involves all of this. It, it's it's really like, you know, um, when we have storyboards, we're going to make posters, we're going to buy out ads in the pub, in, you know, Hollywood publications. But um, I love how Alan Arkin actually gets the option for the script. He meets, uh, the, who I guess, the writer in charge uh, for the script and played by Richard Kind, who's just, always funny. Yeah, just the guy that yeah. happens to own the options on it. Right. And so, you know, that guy kind of is a typical Hollywood where he's overselling stuff, but he's like, oh, I know how to handle him. And so I just love that he uses his Hollywood tradecraft to kind of just like, you know, break deals and like shut him down, get that. And then what's the best part is how they sell this story to the press. They have a like, like kind of like a mini convention, like table read, like all the care, all the actors are in costume. The press is all over it. You know, they like they all the who's who's and like big names like in the industry are going to be at this like big table read. It was a lot of fun. And I, I kind of liked the, the Hollywood craft that they, they played in it to really sell the story in America to sell it to the press, to make it look really legitimate. Yeah. It's, it's, it is really good. And it is really like the beating heart of the movie is the, right. uh, the crafting of, of the Hollywood cover story, which is such like, not exactly tradecraft, but is also just fucking amazing and great. Yeah. <laughs> and it's some of the most like accurate stuff uh, in this film, which uh, I appreciate as well. I wanted to say that the press conference in particular, uh, just as, as a piece of movie making, I really love the way that the, the scenes of the press conference are juxtaposed with, television footage of like all the horrible things or not just television footage, but we also see like uh, mock executions and stuff, you know, right. all the horrible things that are going on in Iran. And it's, it's, it's actually kind of genius, you know? Yeah. And there's even like a shot of someone adjusting a camera to make sure they were getting focused on John Goodman while, while he's talking. And right. there's something to me that suggests that like, the film just through this visual language is, is saying that like, like the cameras are focused on not the most important thing. Oh that, yeah. That they're yeah. focused on trivia and hype and Hollywood glitz and, and not understanding what's, you know, because all the stuff that's going on in Iran is like not being focused on by the American public. Well, I guess, I mean, right. it kind of is. I, 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 I'm not going to try harder to say what I'm trying to say. <laughs> There's just something really, really great about that, that press, uh, that juxtaposition of the press conference 
right. I, I think I think you I think this movie doesn't make it two things two things this movie fails to win the best picture uh award is if the if it didn't have this scene mm-hmm. done so well and if it didn't have the taking of the embassy done so well. Oh, absolutely. Oh, I completely agree. Because I, I really enjoyed how much like the Hollywood craft was kind of paralleled with the the trade craft of what the CIA was trying to accomplish. And I, and I think that was done really well. And it really spoke to the Academy. Because, you know, I think I would say that one of the best ways to win a best picture is to jack off to the Academy. Or, just, or jack off to Hollywood. Well, you've got a short list, right? Let's hear it. Oh, either do AIDS, slavery, the Holocaust, uh, some some grand war story that's really human, or you just you just jack off to Hollywood. There you go. And, and I think you have a I think you have a better chance when you're jacking off to Hollywood. Did uh, Once Upon a Time get Best Picture? Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? Yeah. I don't think so. It was nominated. Definitely nominated. Mora, uh, Academy Award for Best Picture 2019, please. The Academy Award for Best Picture of 2019 was awarded to Parasite. Oh, okay. Yeah, I believe that. It doesn't fit yeah. any of your criteria. <laughs> yeah, no, it doesn't. <laughs> it's a foreign film. Yeah. 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 Big, big anomaly. I still haven't watched it, even though my sister tells me like it's, I really, really would love it. It's really good and definitely deserve Best Picture fantastic so at this point we get to the extraction which is the part of the movie you know we talked about like some of the events here have been compressed some of them have been quite expanded the extraction (laughs) the extraction part is very much expanded uh they show mendez being there for several days and doing a bunch of stuff that didn't happen uh, in fact, he was only there for like a day and a half. But the at, at this point, uh, the press conference is, in, at least in the movie, is kind of again a queered desk guy boss, CIA boss's opinion of the operation, and he says, like, you know, like, no, we're not fucking doing this. Uh, Mendez keys in on Alan Arkin's comment about like, you know, Alan Arkin has a thing about like how you always in, in Hollywood or as a, as a producer, you know, how much he's gotten done by just sticking to his guns and not taking no for an answer and Mm -hmm. uh, asks him for his, asks him like, well, how do you get around the, the pricks upstairs? I think is the term he uses. We don't get to hear Arkin's (laughs) reply, but what Mendez and Cranston do is go to the CIA director, which is why I know that desk guy is not the CIA director because this oh, is, okay. is the CIA director. Uh, right. It was uh, Stansfield Turner at the time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Mendez, Mendez uses, Cranston says, how'd you get this meeting? Mendez says, I went over DF's head and I used your name. Uh, I did look, I couldn't find like, uh, you know, like DF, does that stand for something like 
director of finance. I, you know, right. I, I couldn't find any <laughs> CIA terminology. I'm left to think that he uh, meant dumb fuck. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's. <laughs> I prefer that anyway. We don't ever need to know the truth. They do get uh, with within a, I don't know not my favorite scene of the movie like it's it's this one's more like just very much by the book like uh the director wants to hear like like what's going on why are you so passionate about this and and mendez just kind of sells him on it in a way that i didn't find super convincing and then here this is why i'm going with some minus spy points and my number two worst is it's a little complicated, but let me try to walk you through it. Uh, based on how the, the the everything's been set up for us in the movie, the State Department is really running this shit. Right. They might decide to go with the CIA's idea. They might not. They still got other ideas, you know, that, that right. they want to do. Like, at one point, someone was like, you know, fuck this. No, we're going with the teachers. Yeah. So <laughs> him convincing the CIA director... To say that, like, okay, this, the, you know, the U.S. government is going to make your movie. It's great in the movie, but I don't understand why it was his call to make when it was State Department supposedly running it. So it's, I don't know, somewhere in there, it just, it just got messy. Like, who's actually in charge of this shit? Right. (laughs) I didn't like it. It was just annoying. But this is when we got the great line. It was like... You know, all we have is bad ideas. And you think this is a good idea? We think this is the best bad idea. <laughs> it's a perfect line. It's a perfect scene. I'm not giving yeah. it minus movie points, just minus spy points. Yeah. So, again, all in all, I, I, I'm i not sure. I feel like this might be, again, an expansion. Like, we see through this movie, like, all this bureaucratic pushback. Uh, I'm really not sure how much of that there actually was uh you know the alternate theory which seems more accurate in reality is that mm-hmm. you know if the canadians did like 90 percent of the job and mendez just needed to you know just kind of put the little cat put the cherry on the sunday fly mm-hmm. in fly out uh seemed pretty easy uh so i don't know i i can believe there was this much bureaucratic pushback but we really just don't know. Yeah, and this actually made my number two worst trade craft. I, I feel like in reality, maybe it was on hold for maybe like 10 minutes or something. But they made it sound like the whole way through, there was always like these gates that kept shutting in. And there were it was on, it was off, it was on, it was off. You know, I, I don't I don't I don't know why just this op didn't go through. I think it was pretty believable and a good idea especially with all of the arguments mendez brought up about like not using teachers and journalists and why it was a bad idea to take bicycles up to the border in the middle of winter um yeah but i don't know it was probably good for movie making so that's that's my worst trade craft number two yeah i feel like i feel like the movie just wants to like expand and fill more space and time with that to to build up the dramatic tension but you know once it's once it's on it's on yeah um 
again, like, uh, you know, like we just mentioned, he was only there for a day and a half. In the movie, it looks like he spends like four or five days there. Um, right. Plus five points for taking your wedding ring off before you fly in. Remember that? You fucked hard from the company episode two. And in The Good Shepherd. Oh, is it The Good Shepherd? I, that's the one I was thinking of. I got it mixed oh, up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what well, was a wedding ring? It was a class ring. Yeah, right, Good right. Shepherd. Yeah. yeah. But he tells them specifically, like, I wouldn't wear my yeah. class ring down there. Yeah. Uh, Going and to it's Cuba. specifically that finger they send him, you know, as a message. Right, yeah. <laughs> I like, you know, these plus five points for Cranston. I, the line is perfect. You know, I'm required to remind you the agency will not claim you. Just right. very, like, matter of fact, just got to, you know, get through this. You and I know the deal. You know, it just, I'm just checking off a box here. Perfect delivery of, of a line. Yeah, and you always need that line in a good spy film. Remember, none of this ever happened. Right, right. But actually, that's why I'm giving it the plus spy points. See, I usually wouldn't if it was just like someone giving that line, like you're saying, like, you know, like if Cranston had made it a big deal, you know, right. and said like, listen, yeah. listen, George, listen, <laughs> are you listening? You got to understand this. If this thing goes sideways, the agency right. will disavow you, right? Right. <laughs> That's just like, whatever, right? Um, yeah. But the way they're doing this is just like, you know, he's just dropping them off at the airport. And he's just like, you yeah. know, hey, you know, oh, yeah, and I'm required to say blah, 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 blah. <laughs> you know, and right, they, yeah, they yeah. don't make a big deal out of it. Yeah. No. <laughs> just like <laughs> something, good. something that, you know, like, you know, I I get fired if if I didn't say this thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when he gets to Iran uh, and meets his contact there, uh, they have a really nice really natural like uh you know iran is not 100 percent safe can't be safe all the time it's clearly a code phrase but it's done so naturally plus five right right and uh more plus five points for that guy just he's only got the one scene but uh he says this is your play you're gonna go straight at them and apply for a permit like like don't try to hide yourself just Go go right into the belly of the beast and say, "Hi, I'm here." Oh, is this when they do the the they meet the Ministry of Culture? Yes, right. Well, that's oh, what he does this... with that with that advice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. This is my this is my number one trade craft, or my number one best trade craft was uh, meeting with the Ministry of Culture and then getting the letter because the letter really sold it later at the airport. And I, you know, it's that idea of hiding in plain sight. Like, we're here to make a film. Here is storyboards. Here's magazines talking about our film. We're looking for locations. It's got a Middle East feel to it. We're Canadian. Here's some passports <laughs> and documents. Like, like, we're here to make a movie about Iran, you know? Hey, Ministry of Culture, you know? So they, they get a letter from the Ministry of Culture out of this, which uh, adds to, like, selling everything from every step of the way, you know, at the, you know, and at the airport, they actually bring out the letter. So yeah, this is my number one best trade craft. Um, when he talks to the people, when Mendez talks to the people about the plan, he doesn't seem super confident about it, which is minus five points for me. I think it's actually my number one worst uh, trade craft. Okay. 
I think uh, it it's it's done for the screen, not for the story. You know, to 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 make us think like, oh, Mendez, he's a he's a man of honor. He's not going to uh, deceive them. He's he's gonna let them know, you know, this is really dangerous, and and we right. could all die. Right. That's the wrong play. <laughs> when they say have you done this before you say yeah 30 fucking times and and right. everyone lived right <laughs> it's bad right yeah you, no he definitely could have been more thrilled more confidence in them and i feel like the real mendez probably did that like it's just another day at the, from from the podcasts i've listened to from the research I've done on Mendez himself and the story of like this whole uh, exfiltration op, it seemed to me like it was another day at work. And this was just like his big, really big, dangerous, you know, op that w w someone as experienced of him could have as him could have pulled off. So I, I, I completely agree with you. Right. The reality was, again, this this op like this cherry on top of the part like the dangerous part this day mm -hmm. and a half uh went off without a hitch like no issues they just went right. in, they just went in they came out doesn't make for a great movie so that's why this part needs to get expanded and get a bunch of uh fictional drama infused into it one of the things i really liked in the film was having them go out to the bazaar or like the market and have them show them like taking photos, you know, obviously being Canadian filmmakers, really, really selling the story. Um, I, I, I really like that. I think he was advised against it. Don't give them too many hits at your covers is what somebody advised him not to do. And he was like, I need them to like be comfortable and be out there. And this is like a preliminary selling the story. Like word would get out. Hey, there's a bunch of Canadians taking pictures uh, which then leads into this like scene with this guy angry that they're taking pictures and he didn't give him permission and he was mad because his son was killed, you know, uh, by an American or something like that. And he's like really angry. Um, I, I I made this my number three best tradecraft was having them go through the market and like showing them. Um, I, I'm pretty sure this happened, not exactly at the market, but I'm pretty sure they went out into the public wearing um canadian flag pins or something like that and i think you were saying that you didn't you didn't find that but i just kind of like the idea of preliminarily selling the story of them being filmmakers like just researching uh shot locations i like i i liked it as well you tell me that uh in the couple of documentaries you listened to about it that this was legitimate I'm going to tell you that the CIA denies that this happened. I'm not sure exactly why they would, but it wouldn't be the first time the CIA denied something. But right. uh, they uh, they ran a, a Twitter, like, fact versus fiction on, on this movie uh, that I read through. And uh, they said they, they didn't go out to the bazaar. Now, that left me really on the fence on uh, plus or minus spy points here because, right. uh, you know, if if the CIA said, okay, if, if they didn't really do it and the CIA says we wouldn't have done that, then mm -hmm. I, would, I would be like, okay, 
I believe you. Um, but if you had told me that the that they did do it and the CIA said, yeah, we did that, I would say, okay, that makes sense. <laughs> like right. I don't know what the <laughs> I don't know what the right call is here. Um, right, right. But if the CIA, so this is going to be a weird one, but I'm I'm going to stick to it. You're calling this your best tradecraft number three, right? Right. I'm gonna I'm gonna split. I'm gonna I'm gonna make a a juke move here. And <laughs> I'm gonna call it my worst tradecraft number three. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, because my research says they didn't do it. And then if we have conflicting sources, then I'm happy uh, just splitting the difference with one of us voting uh, plus spy points and one of us voting minus spy yeah. points. And <laughs> right. that will satisfactorily resolve my uh, ambivalence on the issue. Also, I really, really could not find uh, bad tradecraft in this movie. It was tough. There's not it was really tough. There's yeah. not there's not even enough tradecraft to be bad. And uh, right. yeah. And if anything, like just the historical inaccuracy kind of stuff, that's not that that's 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 not what we give minus five points for around here. No, no. But, you know, uh, one thing the movie did do is it stretched out the events quite a bit and made it more, I guess, risky or terrifying. But apparently the op went super smoothly. Right. I, I know the six people were shaking in their boots. But uh, apparently it went, like, ultra smooth. We get, uh, you know, at the last minute, you know, the the whole Carpet Weaver guys have, like, put together one of the pictures. You got right. the Iranian Republican guard knocking on doors and, like, right. uh, you know, going to his superior and saying, like, you know, we got him, we got him. And then there's, right. like, this <laughs> car chase even, like, out onto the tarmac. The cars are even chasing the plane as it's taking off. None right. of this none of this happened in reality. The reality was they, they just slipped in and slipped out, flew out at 5 o'clock in the morning, and all the Iranian guards sleeping peacefully in their beds. Yeah. <laughs> I, I actually listened to two podcasts, um, one from True Spies the, and one from the podcast Espionage podcast. And um, when they got to the airport, things were kind of weird. Uh, one of the guys was reading like an English newspaper and Mendez was like, hey, I'll put that away. Um, one of them was like super nervous. And so like two of them kind of kept their distance away from that guy. You know, it, it was it, it was really tense at the airport, but for the most part, the op was like really smooth. Um, but in our film of making everything super tense, there's a moment where the, one of the airport guards calls the studio, and uh, both Alan Arkin and John Goodman are on set watching a shot, and they have to get back, and the set's like, "No, you got to stay and watch this shot." And I feel like. This was just for the movie to build tension that they're not there to answer the phone and they have to like rush to answer the phone and they just get it at the last moment, you know, but I, I feel like the the two guys in Hollywood would have been by the phone waiting, uh, you know, especially if they know when that's the a really that's a that's a really good call. So yeah. that that made my worst tradecraft number one. I like I like your thinking on this one. Yeah. 
but it did build some really good tension. They just at the last ring of the phone, they picked up and they're like, yeah, we're studio six. How you doing? Oh no. Uh, that guy's on leave uh, in another country doing a uh, location shots. <laughs> you know, there's just a certain shape that, uh, you know, a drama has to take and, and you have to have that, you know, last minute. Oh my God, it's not going to work. Oh good. It worked. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> uh, you know, Pedants really uh, had a lot of fun with this movie. Like I mentioned before, I, I really enjoyed reading the trivia page for yeah. it. Um, most of them, most of them are. I mean, and there's a ton. There's a ton. When you make a movie that is uh, set in history in uh. this day, in this day and age of the internet. Uh, you're right. gonna get called out on shit, right? <laughs> on like everything that you know. Most of them fall into like uh, flags being wrong, cars being wrong. You mm-hmm. know, like uh, there's some scene where they are driving into Iraq, and you know, it's the Iraqi flag, but it also has an inscription on it that wasn't added until later. Mm-hmm. Cars is always gonna be a thing. Like my dad is yeah. constant. My dad. <laughs> You can't watch any historical movie <laughs> without my dad commenting on every single model of every car that didn't actually exist <laughs> in that year. Um, somebody complained about the watch that, that Mendez was wearing. Like that model didn't come out until two years later. Right. Stuff like that. But there's some fun ones as well. And, and I'm going to tell you, like, I think, one of my favorites this is just this is just pedantry like i love you you know at the end they show a shot of a bunch of star wars figures uh-huh the sandman and the jawa are are the sandman is labeled as a jawa and the jawa is labeled as a sand person oh <laughs> And some Star Wars nerd just went, aha, I gotcha. <laughs> um, but uh, this one also I like. Uh, you know, this is a fun Led Zeppelin pedant story. Um, oh, yeah, you told me about this. Uh-huh. I love this one because I'm a huge Zeppelin fan. What's what's the song, The Levy, When the Levy Breaks? When the Levy Breaks. When yeah. the Levy Breaks, okay. So, uh. Affleck really, really, really wanted this song in the movie. And this is the part of the film where he's, uh, you know, it's after the bazaar, I'm pretty sure. And like, so it's, it's just finally like, we've done everything we can in the morning. We'll fly out and we'll live or we'll die. And right now you guys should just relax. And he really wanted them to play uh, the song when the levee breaks here. And he was super happy when Led Zeppelin said, yeah, okay, you can use the song, but, you know, we got we to gotta have final uh, approval, right? So you got to send us right. the, the footage where it's used. And they came back and they said, it's fine, but When the Levee Breaks is the last song on side A, I think it is. And in the movie, you show the person dropping the needle on the very beginning of the album. That's wrong. You need to fix that. 
that's that's great trivia i love that uh i love that shit didn't you say jimmy page was the one that that said that i don't i don't know that's the last track (laughs) i don't know who it is but i i love that i love that little detail that led zeppelin is like hey hey yeah you gotta respect respect the zepp yeah get it right (laughs) yeah Well, are you ready to come in from the cold and debrief this? Did you cover your worst tradecraft number three? Declassifying the story I'm looking at in the notes? No, no, no. no. I took that out. I just oh, okay. get to the dinner party. But I, I could talk about it um, a little bit. Uh, one thing I did want to kind of give minus spy points to history and to the movie uh, was declassifying this. Because um, now you could never really use this op again. I think it was kind of declassified way later mm, and it was really to improve the CIA image, uh, which I understand and which is fine. And I'm sure they have plenty of other cover stories that are just as elaborate and successful, but I feel like this is a good one that you could like keep on the shelf, you know, and, 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 and utilize as much as possible. Uh, you know, like you probably don't want to do it all the time, but it's, yeah, it's well, definitely you've, one you've to put, have in the bag of tricks. You've put all future Canadian location scouts at risk, at terrible right. risk. Yeah, right. You know, it's kind of like the thing, oh, you can't use journalists. Well, now Canadian filmmakers can't go to like, you know, places that hate Canadians or Americans. But whatever. I got a question for you. So, yeah, you know, there's, there's the, it's, it's, it's not a trope. It's just a fact. Like if you're, if you're traveling abroad as an American in places where they don't like Americans, you just say you're Canadian. Uh, <laughs> I wonder like when you're traveling as a Persian in places or times where people are mistrustful of Persians, what do you, what do you say? I mean, most people can't tell an Arab from a Persian, you know, if their life depends or any on of the it. other Middle Eastern countries. But right. there was that SNL skit with, well, John Goodman actually was in that skit. It was John Goodman and Rob Schneider. And John Goodman's like the typical angry American and everybody, you know, just like we talked about how the 80s treated Persians because of the hostage crisis. Um, John Goodman's, th- there's like a, a Turkish like mini market owner. And uh, John Goodman's throwing a brick in the wall. And he was like, you damn Arabs, go back to where you came from. He's like, I'm not Arab, I'm Turkish. And then and then they just keep doing that scene. Like, yeah, I'm not Afghanistan, I'm not Afghani, I'm Turkish. And then uh, they, they like crack jokes with it. They finally kind of buddy up. And he's like, oh, you remember that one time? And it was just like over and over all these old flashbacks of him throwing bricks into his window, screaming at him, like, go back to where you came from. And he's like, oh, I'll get a newspaper. He's like, oh, it's on me. You know, like uh, we got a bond or whatever. And he pulls up the newspaper and there's this huge article on the back about how, like, there was some big terrorist thing involving Turkey. Because, like, oh, my God, <laughs> only read the sports page. Only read the sports page. <laughs> so uh, I guess you could just say you're Turkish, but I, I, I guess the Turkish relations with America aren't great right now either. I don't know. T- tough question to answer because we, we don't really know too much about the rest of the world as a country. I feel like I feel like I would go with Egyptian. I feel like Egypt Egypt hasn't been in the news in like for fucking ever. Right. You know, like I think I would say, no, nah, would that fly? I don't know. I don't know. 
I don't know. They might be a little bit darker than Persians. Yeah, but I don't think. I don't know. I don't think Americans know that. Right, right. <laughs> I mean, that's what I'm talking about. Like, you know, if they can't tell the right. difference between an American and a Canadian, like, right. God, God help you if you, you know, a standard American, like, trying to, you know, know the difference between a Turk and an Iraqi. Right. Exactly. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> All right. Debrief. Agents, please report for debriefing on this operation. The director will see you now. While we were watching this movie together, and I had seen it once before, and it didn't make a huge impact on me. I, I, I like it a lot more like on reviewing. Um, but while we were watching it, we were kind of asking each other, like, why, why is this best picture? Um, I think. I think it's some of the technique again, like I think the two major scenes that super sell it is the embassy part and the press conference juxtaposition part. Um, right. I think it's also worth noting, like there's a lot of technical difficult stuff. There's a huge amount of location shots. The Academy can see like how difficult it is to, to pin all of this stuff together. Like mm-hmm. this movie is just like it's it's everywhere. There's so many scenes, and there's 240 speaking roles. Which, you know, I've done a research on this or something, but I believe that's, that's a an lot. incredibly high number. Right, um, that's a lot. That's a lot. And almost each one of them, even like these interactions with just a person that just has like one speaking scene and just like two or three lines, like are are just small human moments that resonate well and mm. and are perfectly done it just seems like the 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 whole this this movie's it's kind of a mosaic even though it it just kind of concentrates on one event it mm-hmm. shows like so many tiny pieces of this event in so many like small ways and it's just stitched together like best editing fucking a hundred percent on that one um but you know me uh it's it's just not my favorite kind of movie um i'm more of an action science fiction kind of guy Uh, (laughs) it's it's a flat three it runs straight down the middle it's a great movie that just isn't necessarily a a todd movie right so there no i feel you I, i i feel you I mean, for me, I, I kind of feel the same. Um, I'm probably going to go with a three and a half. Uh, you know, just because we're doing a spy movie podcast, I, I would have liked a lot more tradecraft out of this. But just having Alan Arkin and John Goodman and Richard Kine was just such a delight throughout the whole film. Like every time they're on screen, I was just like super excited and everything they did. And then we get that awesome line you know, this is the best bad idea so far from like Cranston and like Ben Affleck. So I, I, I enjoyed it a lot. Like there were a lot of fun moments. So I'm going to go with a three and a half, um, mainly because this is definitely not a Miss Sloan or a Good Shepherd or a Tinker Taylor Soldier Spy for us. Tradecraft review. Uh, again, I don't know. For a, well, other than it's kind of weird not, not to super relitigate or anything but it's kind of weird because i feel like the the tradecraft of this fake movie is just such a fucking genius idea 
Yeah. That it deserves all the tradecraft. And there's a reason (laughs) there's, you know, this, there's a reason this is like a legendary CIA story. Right. But in the details in, in moments like of, of finding tradecraft, I, you know, this, this movie didn't offer a lot, but uh, my number three best was reassembling the shredded documents, whether Mm -hmm. they used kids or carpet weavers or kid carpet weavers, uh, which, which (laughs) in some fashion they did. That's really smart. And that's really good. I liked, uh, you know, the subtle sort of subtle thing about like uh, Mendez making sure, like explaining to state why you can't use press as a cover, even though mm-hmm. he didn't exactly spell it out. You know, he just said it in one kind of throwaway line. Um, right. But also relief workers, you know, they also were proposing relief workers, which he was mm-hmm. also like very down on that idea. Um mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's good and it's legit. My number one is just mm, I I can't I I kept using cherry on top as the uh, metaphor for like the final phase of the op. So I, I feel like I'm showing my my shallow well of metaphors when I go yeah. back to cherry on top. But you know what I just said about the the grand idea of this fake movie being the best tradecraft ever, the cherry on top for me of that is the Jack Kirby storyboards. Number one best. Right. Number one best. <laughs> it's in the details. Yeah. <laughs> it's always about the details. Um, for my best tradecraft, number three... Uh, I, I liked the idea of having them go through the market and, you know, shooting and taking photos. Like they were really trying to sell the idea that these are filmmakers trying to find locations. Um, whether, whether that was true or not, I, I think we have a little dispute on our sources, but uh, I, I still like the idea, especially for the film to really sell it. Um, my number two was just Alan Arkin and uh john goodman's hollywood craft i'll call it yeah, <laughs> right especially, yeah, that's a great yeah. <laughs> yes <laughs> especially alan arkin when he approached uh, richard kind to get the option for the script and really like like kind of it really demonstrated the you know how the hollywood broker deals and stuff and they're like man i know this town i know this guy you know so it was, it was a lot of fun watching that and the fucking convention was perfect like just the the table read and all the pre- I, I loved it I, I it really sold it uh, my number one best trade craft of course was meeting with the ministry of culture and getting that letter because that letter was one of the many pieces that sold the story especially at the airport and the airport is going to be the hardest part to get through my number three worst tradecraft. It's a weird one because it's uh, in direct opposition to your best. It's having them go through the market and take the pictures. And right. again, I really waffled on that one because, you know, I wasn't sure. But the CIA says it didn't happen. You've got sources that say it did happen. I'm happy to split the difference and, and just have that be where the ball lands on the roulette table. Right, right. Um, that it's, it's actually a satisfact. It's the most satisfactory result, <laughs> in my opinion, <laughs> because, like I said, I was so much on the fence about it. Um, again, hard to find bad tradecraft in this movie. Uh, yeah, 
the number two that I got was that the film shows the CIA director approving the project when it is not at all clear that it's his call to make because earlier it had been established that it was the state department that was calling the ball. And just in general, the confusion about who is actually in charge here. Uh, my number one worst, that's actually an easy one. Uh, when these frightened people ask you, have you done this before? You say yes, a thousand times. And it always right. works. Like, like, the one thing that can really fuck this up, which he knows, is right. if they don't have faith in what they're doing. Right. So, you know, <laughs> put aside your fucking honesty for a goddamn second. You are CIA, yeah. <laughs> by the way. Right. You should know how to do this. Right. Yeah. That's bad. Uh my number three worst tradecraft was the dinner party and just kind of the six diplomats just hanging out at the house. Uh, you know, th this type of situation, um, in general, I think you can be searched at any time in Iran. Uh, and in this type of, uh, in this time period, I think it would have been even worse. So, um, it was just a bad idea. Uh, no, my number two worst tradecraft was just not allowing the operation to go through. I think this was more about just creating tension, but I, I don't think it was that bad of an idea, uh, despite what bureaucracy might have existed. And then my number one worst tradecraft uh, was Alan Arkin and Goodman being away on set and they couldn't leave because some PA told them they had to be there for the shot. I feel like they would have known that the op was going on and they should be there by the phone. And this was just like a movie. I really think that was such situation. an incredibly genius catch on your. Yeah. Phone. Oh, thanks. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, that's top notch. Yeah. I, I like it. It kind of bugged me. I was like, why is it so hard for them to just be at the phone? These guys are supposed to be like the big shots on the set. I, I don't know, whatever. Um, <laughs> How many park benches does this movie deserve? I want to say this is actually a lot more historically accurate than I would have expected, even though we didn't get a whole lot of tradecraft and a lot of it was kind of like Hollywoodized or Oscar baitingized, I guess. Uh, I don't know. Like, I, I think, I, I mean, like, I don't think we should hit a four with this, but I, I kind of like a 3.5. Wow. So I don't know that it does kind of sound like a four to me. What, what are our 3.5s that we've given? Uh, Samurai Spy, The Departed, The Good Shepherd, Miss Sloan. And then our threes are like Atomic Blonde. No, never mind the threes. Team. Never mind the threes. I think it's definitely between a 3.5 and a four. Based on what you just said, I, I'm, I'm feeling the four. There's very, like our bad tradecraft here. Even though, like, like I agree, like with your number one, it's it's really good, but <laughs> yeah. but again, remember that didn't actually happen. Probably right. You know that yeah, phone call probably, probably didn't actually happen. I, I'm sure both of them had the money or a friend to sit down and pretend to be a secretary for Studio Six, like, and I I don't I don't think the film really played time zones well. Right, I don't or think, like, or you could just assign a CIA intern. Right, right, like. 
you know, when the op is going down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? Like, <laughs> But I don't think yeah. that's enough to drag it away from a four. I, 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 I think I think this is a, I think it's a solid four. Not because of how much tradecraft it's got, but uh how much how much it doesn't do wrong. Right. Like, like it adds and it's pretty accurate. It adds a bunch of dramatics flourishes, but you know, that I'm not gonna I'm not gonna take away uh for that because you know, it would be unfair like when we're talking about a purely fictional movie like a most wanted man right to to judge to judge this movie uh for being historically inaccurate you know what i mean like historic yeah. uh, an attempt at historical accuracy shouldn't be a handicap right right yeah unless it's egregious <laughs> no, if it's egregiously yeah. wrong then yeah right. we would we would handicap it i i'm saying i'm saying four can you meet me there yeah, I, I think you've convinced me that it definitely deserves a four. I, I was kind of feeling, I don't know, I just really liked that they made a good attempt at being historical accurate, and there really wasn't any bad tradecraft. So, yeah, four sounds good to me. All right, four park benches. We are out of here. And that's the end of our show. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to reach out to us, you can find us on Twitter at spies underscore like us. Visit us on our website at www.spieslikeus.net. You can find out about upcoming episodes. Also, what will really help us out is if you give us a review on wherever you found our podcast, either on iTunes or your Android app or YouTube or wherever you listen to us. Uh, even if you didn't like the show, just give us a review. It'll help us give us feedback so we can make the show better. And it can also help other people who haven't found the show yet find out about us. Hey, Moira, initiate Protocol 9. Protocol 9 initiated. This podcast will self-destruct in 20 seconds. The preceding transmission sampled the songs Ice Cold by Audio Nautics, Enter the Party by Kevin MacLeod, and sound effects from freesound.org. Attributions and links are found at spieslikeus.net. Editing by Todd Hostetler.